0: of the service some great things to look forward to now uh, raise your hand if you're here and you have never been to the uh, youth valentine auction just raise your hand all right we have a few we have a few yep i'm gonna apologize right now in advance uh, but if you, you looked over the budget like we asked you to do and you affirmed the budget for this coming year, you will have noticed that there's no request from the youth ministries for anything out of our budget. They do this every year, uh, much to my argument and fussing and those type of things. But they, the, uh, uh, the, the youth ministry leaders believe in the faithfulness and generous of our, generosity of our congregation. And so the, the youth ministry at this church works annually out of the money it raises from our youth dessert auction. What is the youth dessert auction, in case you forgot? This is an auction where you bake a cake, you bake a dessert, you bring it, and then you, we sell it back to you. <laughs> Amen. Yes. It's the most epic thing you've ever witnessed in your life. And here's what I tell the church. I know that that cake... Or that pie or maybe that batch of cookies might not be worth $300. But those kids are. Now, last year, y'all were crazy. I'm going to say how much crazier y'all are this year. Last year, the dessert auction in one day, not in pledges, but in giving in that day. We don't really do pledges here because we don't want you to be in debt to a commitment. We want you to just be committed. That tithing message is next Sunday, by the (laughs) way. Just so you understand that. Uh, Last year, the dessert auction raised $30,000. Come on. The youth go on mission trips. They do discipleship. They run their programs. They do everything out of these things. And so we want you to be prepared. I mean, come, enjoy the fellowship. They're going to give you it. They're going to prepare a lunch for you, the youth group. They're going to come. And we want you to develop some rivalries. We do. We, we want you to win. I want you to win. And so, it's uh, is it Super Bowl Sunday also? So, like, you need some stuff for the game. And, and uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, everybody should bid Donnie Overholt up. <laughs> bid him up and, and then let him have the last bid. And that'll work. See? That's how you do that. Anyway. Uh, we're looking forward to that, and I think it's going to be an epic, epic time again, right? So uh, if you've never been a part of that, please pr- come and, and participate. And maybe you, maybe you spend, you know, 20 bucks on some cookies or something. Every penny these guys use for the glory of God in discipling our young people. And if you, listen, if you've never seen the atmosphere of our teenagers, our middle school group, and our Bible memory, all you have to do is show up on a Sunday evening. From 5.30 to 7.30. And I promise you, it'll change your perspective about some kids who love Jesus. Uh, It's real, it's raw, and um, man, I love it. So, I I love it. So, they're worth our investment, um, and I'm looking forward to that day. Amen? All right, I want you to turn to me in your Bible to Revelation chapter 3. Now, we've been in our series that I've titled Renewing Our Vision And I really appreciate that a lot of you are paying attention and you are saying, all right, Pastor Don, when are the details coming? They are. They are. And our eldership team and our greater leadership team has just been working with a lot of things, a lot of ideas and thoughts that we want to present to you um, on the last Sunday of this month that I think are going to be powerful. Can I say this? During worship, I agree with Breno, the goodness of God was in the house is still in the house. And I was, I, I just was on the floor and I just, I just, I just said, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Yeah. And I heard the Spirit of God say, what will you do with it? And my wife and I, we, we zipped down on Thursday at noon, uh, we got in the truck and we, we drove all the way down to as far as Birmingham, we spent the night, got up, finished it, uh, had to be at my dad's house in Florida on Friday at 2 o'clock, uh, took dad and my, uh, my stepmom out to dinner and uh, then yesterday morning we got up at 7 o'clock and we got home from Florida at 8.30. Uh, we were on the road at 7 at Michigan time. We got home at 8.30 last night. So we had a lot of time. And I don't know about you, but like, I, I love talk radio when I'm driving. It makes my brain work. Amen. And, and especially, especially uh, you, you listen to what's going on in politics, and it just gives me somebody to argue with except for my wife. Right? They say, I don't want to fight with my wife, but I can fight with the guy on the radio. And so, like, my brain is turning and those things. And, of course, the news about the Mega Millions Lottery. $1.3 billion. And, the, you know, the, what would you do? Right? Like, we, talk, we talked about that. Like, if you, if you had that much money, what would you do? What would you do with that much abundance? Let, let me say this to you, church. I, I, I'm not really talking about money The Spirit of the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, "I said, God, you're so good." And God says to me, "What will you do with it?" Because you you know, as as much as one point three billion dollars is, we can't fathom it. But there is an end to it. But there isn't an end to the goodness of God. There there isn't. And let me express something to you: You don't have to travel around the earth anymore to find the goodness of God the goodness of God has been poured out among me and you right here right now in this season and my question to us during worship is what what are we doing with it what what are we doing with abundance when they said there shouldn't be any We doing with abundance when they said there shouldn't be any. What are we doing with goodness when, when the world just turn on the talk radio? No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Turn. But not to us, not to God's people. Come on, church. Everything this church is wrestling with right now, every single issue that our eldership team gathers and prays over do you know that every other monday the first month you want to pray for us pray for us the first monday and the second monday of every month this eldership team is committed to meeting first and third, first and third sorry uh, second and fourth is in Paul. Paul, I'm, I'm just in elders meetings but when we gather together we just don't gather together over an agenda we spend time praying God, speak to us. God, use us. God, help us. God, we need your wisdom. And we, we pray for each other. We pray for our families. We pray for the church. And we just spend, we don't even, we just spend time praying together as an eldership team. And every single topic we are wrestling over, the advisory council, every single topic they're wrestling over, the sub-ministries and the leadership teams, I want you to be encouraged. It's all wrestling over the goodness of God. You guys are packing this house out on Sunday mornings, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Of all the problems. Hello, somebody. At least we're not talking about how we're going to keep the doors open. Or why no one's coming. Or how come salvation isn't happening and ministry's not taking place. I'm I'm just saying, like, Pastor Don just sharing his heart. I had a lot of time to think about what would you do with abundance. It was a great conversation. Because my wife's like, oh, I know what you would do with 1.3 billion dollars. We, you and I, would still be broke. Because <laughs> you just give it away. You know, there's, so, there's a part of me, church... Especially as I get older that is really clinging to loving and unafraid to abandon everything else except for seek first the kingdom. Dude, I mean like, listen, I've been very honest about my prayer over my wife's health and this past year and my wrestling with God through all those things. I, I am very honest with you. I'm, just, I'm not pretending like I got it all together sometimes. I'm not, gonna, I'm not pretending like I don't wrestle with God like you do or I don't have struggles or things that I don't understand and, and my wrestling over that's not fair. When we, when we heard that, that someone won the, the $1.3 billion in Maine and if that person in Maine is listening, listen, we got building projects and youth activities and those. Hello, somebody. You can tithe. We'll write your receipt. Hey, listen to me. The Bible said what? That God has laid up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. He did say that. And so, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I, we had a lot of time to think about 1.3. And, and, and you know, I appreciated my wife's heart when, when, when we heard, hey, someone in Maine wanted it. And she said, Lord, I just hope they will use it for your glory. What do we do with abundance? What do we i am not even gotten my notes yet. Some of you are like, where is this in his notes? If you don't know the notes are on the app, you can follow right along if you'd like. It's not there. I'm just rambling. Because now is the time to decide what you and I are going to do with the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God is waiting on us. We're not waiting on it anymore. Right. See, that was a time for you to celebrate, but you didn't. We're not waiting on the goodness of God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. I want to talk today about renewing our passion for the thing that God loves. Now... Chapter 2 verse 1 says to the angel of the church of Ephesus right. Now, one of my bucket lists is to go to to Turkey and and to go and visit Ephesus one year. One year I'll get there uh, and, and and see that place. If you don't, if you don't know where Ephesus is, modern day Turkey. I think it's on the west coast of Turkey. Uh, anyway, uh, there's just so much there. Uh, the Bible says, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden sta- uh, lampstands. I know your works. Now, God is speaking your toil and your patient endurance. How you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I, I, I know You are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Have not grown weary. Have not grown weary. But, everybody say, but. Now, again, this is, God is not condemning the church, He's calling us back to passion. Everybody say, passion. Passion. I have this against you that you've abandoned the love that you had first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, do the works that you did first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand. Unless you repent. Yet this you have. Yet this you have. Everybody say, I have something. I have, I have something. Yeah. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which is just false doctrine. I don't have time for that today, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear the Spirit, says to the churches, to the one whom conquers. I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right, hold on, let's go. Let's go and let's move through this because... I want you to grab a hold of the heart of God for us in this season as a ministry. Again, we're not preaching to the church down the street. We're not talking to the ministry down the street. We're not even thinking about the ministry down the street. God is speaking to us. And I firmly believe that in my years of walking with Jesus and my my years of, of leading church, especially in the last 19 years of walking with your leadership team, your eldership team here, I'm more than ever fully convinced a healthy church begins with a consuming passion for God. Can I say this to us, church? It matters what we do with the goodness of God. Corporately and personally, it matters. It absolutely matters what we do with the goodness of God. The real issue of the modern day church is not how fast or how large it grows, but how healthy the body is. Yes, please, thank you. It's, it's the idea of health that we want to talk about. Because, see, I think every ministry needs to be measured not by the success of the amount of people in the room or the success of how big a building is. Listen, more people in the room, the more gospel you can preach. I, I'm Listen, we come on Sundays together to celebrate what God is doing with us during the week out there. Yes, we do. And so, uh, buildings are tools to use to disciple and send. So, investing in those and believing in those things, they are godly, biblical things. But the issue is the success of any ministry should only be measured by the lives that are transformed because they call that ministry home. That's the truth. My family's life was changed because of a little bitty church in Chipley, Florida. I, I've told you stories, but I can't begin to express in those stories my gratitude and gratefulness for that place. That way, that, That's why every time we're down there, we drive all the way back out there to see a church building in ruins. No one meets there anymore. The eaves of the building are open and fallen down. They have whoever has packed sandbags around each door uh, to, to keep I don't, water or critters out. You can tell that no one goes in and out of the building anymore. You can't because of the sandbags around every entry. And, and I, st- I stand in that place where we used to park our car. And I look at that place, and I have have pictures of it, and and I just, you know what? I'm not saddened by what is. I'm overjoyed and gratitude in where I got touched. The goodness of God was in that house. See, used to go to Sunday school there. Melinda learned to play the piano there. It matters what we do with the goodness of God. The last time we we're there, we we're looking at this dilapidated building, walking around this, this, this thing, and, and I just I looked at my wife and she says, No. I didn't say a word. She said, No, I know what you're thinking, and no. I said, We should just buy it. No. See, because I still remember the flame. The fire and the passion that lit my heart and and transformed my life. By all accounts in the world standard, you could stand in the parking lot of of that building, which is now covered in grass. And you could see the building falling apart. None of this in my notes. I'm sorry. Y'all just getting from the hip. And you could say it's a failure. But not me. I was transformed there. When I showed up there, my wife was packing her bags and leaving. And my family was, I was going to lose everything. And God intervened. The goodness of God intervened. Was that, listen, was that church perfect? It was not. Did those leaders make some mistakes? Absolutely. But this whole thing is an experiment until we get to heaven. Do you get that? If you're requiring your church leaders or your ministry team to be perfect, I have one question for you How did you escape? Healthy means lives are being transformed. The key issue for churches, I believe, today is health, not growth. Not growth. Do you you understand? Like, my wife and I, in October, we were preaching in a church in Florida. Listen, y'all think it's cramped in here right now? They didn't care. They have a building that seats 100 people, and they had 300 people in the room, and people were sitting on the floor. And I said, Josh and Cody, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, these people are crazy. They just love Jesus. They don't care about sitting on the floor. I said, where do these people come from? Oh, we just we just went out and won them to Jesus. They were drug addicts and... And alcoholics, and and they were lost, and the, and they were beat, they were poor, and they're just, and so you know, and, and there they are, every Sunday sitting on the floor. Can I say this to us? Every healthy thing grows. You have to make it grow. Every healthy thing grows. You don't have to make it grow. If it's healthy, it grows. It's the same principle for the church and the body of Christ. The body of Christ and the church, it's a living organism. It's natural for us to grow. It's natural to be healthy. See, the church body isn't a business. It's an organism. and and It's not an organization. It's alive. We are living stones is what the Bible calls us. And so I say to you, if a church isn't growing, it's dying. If a healthy church is growing church, then it stands to reason a church will only be as healthy as individual members. And let me just say this, you cannot be a healthy Christian by church hopping all your life. Do transitions happen? Yeah, Pastor Don's absolute. Listen, God moved me from Florida to Michigan. I don't, don't say I deny transitions because there are times when God speaks to our hearts and says, now I'm moving you from here to there. But when that happens, there should be affirmation and confirmation, not rebellion. Right. Yep. Yep. And there have been plenty of times when people have come to me and say, Pastor Don, we feel like God is moving us. You know what my job is in that moment? Pray over their lives give them some counsel, ask some right questions. One guy came to me and said, Pastor Don, I feel like God is, is, going, is calling me from this church down to another church. Now, this, this guy was a guy who never did anything here. He never volunteered, never showed up for work days. He never got involved in the ministry. He showed up late for every church service. So my question to him was, let me ask you this question. That's great. What are you going to go do down there that I haven't given you the ability to do here? So is God moving you? I don't know. I want to wrestle over it. A church will only grow as each member grows. Do you understand that shepherds don't produce sheep? Sheep produce sheep. Shepherds produce shepherds. And healthy shepherds produce healthy sheep and challenge everything that's not healthy. So we need to ask ourselves, how healthy am I spiritually? How do I know if I'm growing in my faith? What have I attached myself to that's allowing me to grow in faith? To grow in my walk with Christ. Gallup did a poll of 13,000 people in 130 different countries of people who used to go to church but don't go to church any longer. As far as I know, it's the only worldwide Gallup poll poll that Gallup ever produced. 130 different countries of 13,000 people who call themselves Christians but no longer go to church. And there were a number of questions on the survey. One of the questions asked was, what would need to happen for you to return to church? And the number one answer out of 13,000 people over 130 countries was this. Passion in the lives of the members and the leaders. What people wanted to see was a fire. Oh, come on, somebody. What people wanted to see was a fire. Do you know fire can't be ignored? I said that last week. Listen, y'all need to help me out. I drove a long way yesterday to be here to preach this sermon. Come on. Healthy church, it, it, it begins with consuming passion for God. Enthusiasm among believers makes going to church meaningful. Right. You see, don't, don't, don't put your spiritual, super spiritual hat on and, you know, whether well, this is the body of Christ is the church and those type of things. Listen, I understand that, but as a lost man, I only knew the church as the building with a steeple on top of it. Right. I know nothing about all that greater body stuff. When I first got saved, all I knew is there was a people in a particular place that loved me without condition. And it made me want to go back. They didn't judge me. They loved me. Most people were throwing me in a ditch and giving up on me. Not those people. They didn't even know me, and they embraced me. And if I didn't show up, they called me and was like, hey, you okay? We missed you. Wait, you missed me? Nobody misses me. Most people are glad I'm not there. A healthy church begins with a consuming passion for God. And if you don't believe it, watch John chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 17, then the disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. It's Psalm 69. Passion for his house burns within me. Now, I said it last week, and I'll continue to say it because I believe it. How can you love Jesus and not love what he loves? And Jesus loves the church. Absolutely, he loves the church. And the Bible says that Jesus went to the house of prayer, the church, as was his custom. It was Jesus' habit to go to church. And everybody knew that. He was there. He was, whether he was sharing from the scriptures or he's just in the room, he was there. So let's ask this question and what is passion? What, what, does your life have passion? Now, the dictionary is interesting when it comes up with definitions. I'm not real sure who writes these definitions or who has the authority to say this is what this means. Because sometimes I read a word and go, nah. But this is the way the dictionary defined the word passion an intense emotion. Okay. A strong feeling, a great devotion, an intense conviction which fuels and motivates you towards compelling action. I am passionate. If you are passionate about your sports team, you go to the game. First time I ever took my wife to a high school basketball game. We walked out of there and she said, I am, I am never going back to a high school basketball game with you. (laughs) You can't yell at the ref. Why not? not? They're paying him. All the refs in the room were like, don't do that. Uh, uh, (laughs) We had been here a few months and I think it was Doug and Nancy had scheduled to take the youth group to K-Wings. Oh, yeah. And there were some people in the church that didn't even know me. I, I didn't know me without my suit on because I used to wear a suit every Sunday. And I still do from time to time. I, I, I like my suits. I make them look good. And, and so anyway, I was in my civilians, I had blue jeans and a t-shirt and I had a hat on and, and, and we get to this game and they had this whole section at the K-Wings game all the way from the all the way down to the glass. And, and, you know, as the game was going along, the youth group was there and, and, and it was happening and, 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 you know, this is a minor league. This is a minor league game, so let them fight. They let them fight. That's part of the rules. Stay on your skates, you can fight. So, you know, a couple of scraps had happened, and I kept inching my way down closer and closer to the glass. And 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 God's favor on my life. God's favor on my life. I'm finally down on the glass. And these two big old hockey players, I promise you, they were Goliath's brothers. Hockey, hockey players, they're big dudes. That's why I don't play. They, I get broke real easy. I, they, they tied up and hit the glass. And they were fighting right in front of my face. You know, at each other. And I just stood up. And I started pounding on the glass too. Boom, 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 boom. And Marla Kruger looked over at Doug and said, Who is that guy down there? And Doug said, that's the new pastor. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> she didn't recognize my hat. Passion flows out of us, right? In ways it comes on. And, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying I was having a good time. <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying it. Motivate you to Action. You you like your team, you wear their colors. Even if they stink. You, You come on. I see all you lying fans. Hey, listen, I can't talk. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Colts fan. I know, I get it. Right? Like I I get it. Passion. The word in the Bible. That it uses for passion is zeal. And it translates fervent devotion to a cause. I'm gonna speed this up in a minute. That word translated, it's closely translated, related to fire. You ever read that scripture that says, God said, I'll make my ministers as a flame of fire? See, a person who possesses zeal has a fire in their bones that can't be easily quenched, right? We just had a conversation this weekend. I was like, listen, you can never win if you quit. How many of you have ever wanted to quit? Come on, be honest. I drove a long way. Be honest. How many of you ever wanted to quit? I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit. And my wife will look me in the eye and go, it's not an option, so stop whining. We get get excited about all kinds of things. We're passionate about work. We're passionate about possessions. We're passionate about our favorite team. Why is it that so many Christians are apologetic about being passionate for Jesus? If God were to say to me, Don, if you had one gift to give the church before you left earth, what would it be? I think that gift would be passion. How about you? Why do do Christians lack zeal? Let me suggest some reasons here. Well, number one, we've allowed some things that are precious to become familiar. What are you going to do with the goodness of God? See, sometimes you sit in the goodness of God so much that it becomes normal to you. And you can't, you 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 get so used to it. you get calloused to it. And, and then you you get blinded to the to the goodness of God, and you find yourself sitting in a corner complaining about things. You know why a lot of marriages go dry? Because husbands and wives lose. come on. Zeal for one another, and and they they get so familiar with each other. I love the fact that I know my wife and she knows me. I love the fact that I can stand in front of a church and she can say no. And I didn't say a word. Do you understand? I love that. She knows my heart. She knows what I'm thinking. Sometimes it's difficult to buy Christmas gifts that way. Because she knows. You know the greatest enemy in your life is? Let me tell you what the greatest enemy in all of our lives, and even in this ministry, tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's an enemy. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll think about it tomorrow. I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. I'll start worshiping tomorrow. I'll start praying tomorrow. I'll start being a good employee tomorrow. I'll start tithing tomorrow. I'll start all of these things. You know what happens? Tomorrow never gets here. Never shows up. It's always tomorrow. It's always there. It's an enemy in our lives. It is an enemy to passion. Don't let the unknowns of tomorrow steal the preciousness of today. What are you going to do with the goodness of God? You know what another one is? The need for approval. And I am as human as you are. It bothers me when people are not happy with me it does i can work through all the reasons why i think it is what it is it doesn't mean that i'm still not bothered by it because we're all we're all like and we all need to be loved we all need to be needed come on somebody say amen we, all, we love being accepted by others. And, and if you want a real passion, you need to recognize that while, while passion will draw some people, it will repel others. Right. True. I'm passionate about marriage. And if you are not, you probably won't hang out with me very much. If you violate those principles and those things and you're not, a, you're, not, you're not willing to let my passion for the principles of marriage challenge your life, so you can be, then you probably won't like me very much. But I'm not changing my passion for it. You may have something like that. Desire for popularity pours water on the fire of the passion of God. You better hear me, young people, and hear me well. God did not call you to be popular. I guarantee you all those popular people 20 years from now, you're not even going to remember their names. And they ain't going to be popular. They're probably going to be in prison. I was just home. I was just home where I grew up, stood in the front yard of the house where I grew up. I was just drove by the places I used to hang out. My wife said, what do you think when we come back to this place? And I think, you know, of all the struggles, all the wrestlings, we grew up pretty poor. And, and, and those things, like, I never think about the bad memories, the struggles in wrestlings. Like, I, I, I remember all the good stuff. The fun we had and, and, and just the life we lived. In. And I didn't even know that there were some things in life that I was missing. Right. And my friends, and then I went through the list and I'm like, oh yeah, he's dead. He's in prison. All of those popular people have now drank their lives away, abused their bodies with drugs. And that person used to be popular. It'll, it'll pour water on the fire of God in your life. Let me tell you something. Why don't you instead, instead of worry about being popular in today's world in school, why don't you just worry about being passionate for Jesus and let it lie where it lies. <clears throat> I love it. The need for approval is there. I get it. But don't trade passion for approval. I don't have to apologize for this church. And if you think I do, I'll invite you to walk out the front door. Ask some people. I'm not. Because I love where I don't need approval. I've got Jesus' affirmation. You know another thing that crushes us? Apathy. Everybody say it with me. Apathy. You know what apathy means? You think it means lethargic. You think it means just lazy or I don't care. No, it means without love. Without love. Ephesians, here in Revelations, you know what it said? Hey, all these things are good. You know what I got against you? Never love. You lost it. You lost your first Love. You lost your first love. You know what the Lord tells them? He didn't say build. He didn't say. He didn't say get on. You know, build a, a mega ministry. He didn't say uh, press in to to try and be famous on TikTok or 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 Instagram or or chap snaps and all those things. You know what the Lord affirmed this incredible church to do? This church, it was on fire. This church, it was moving. This church, was doing some things. This church, it was challenging false doctrine. This church that was changing its culture and its community. You know what the Lord challenged them to do? Return to your first love. Stop being apathetic. People have lost their love. What once caused their hearts to beat, barely, come on somebody, barely affects their pulse anymore. We fall into routine and ruts. We do that, right? And what happens is in, in, in our faith and as we walk with the Lord, what happens is we become routine even about our faith. Right. Why you go to church on Sunday? That's, that's, what, that's, what, we, that's what we do. And Pastor Don's going to call me or Pastor Rod's going to call me. If I don't show up, that's a, so somebody's going to come visit me. We come routine about even that, coming to church. You know the Bible says when you Come. Come with a song in your heart and a word in your spirit. Enter, come on, into His courts and His praise with, with thanksgiving. What are you going to do with the goodness of God? I am so thankful. Because of apathy, we don't deny Christ. I'm not saying you do that. We just demote Him to commonplace. Apathy is not a state of mind, it's a condition of the heart. Young people, you know the next thing? People will affect you. You ever heard that term? Birds of a feather, old people, people will affect you. Just get in a room with people who are bitter and only interested in complaining. By the time you leave the room, you'll be bitter and complaining. I can't do it. I can't stay in the room. I can't. I'll get up and ask my wife. Gotta go. I can see, I see all the goodness, and my heart's broken, But and I don't want to be affected by that. You are who you hang out with. There's a reason why Jesus told the rich young ruler, Come hang out with me. That's the reason why Jesus told all of his disciples, Come and follow me, hang out with me, be with me. And it changed their lives, not because of anything else other than being with Jesus. Do you know that's the testimony in the book of Acts? It says the whole world knew who they were because they had been with... I don't have time to read read your Bible to you. It's right in there. And they would even testify. These guys were with him. These guys were with him. These guys were with him. Those people were with him. They were with Jesus. They were hanging out with Jesus. Be careful who you spend your time with. It affects your walk. Listen, when you take a red hot poker out of a fire and throw it on a cement floor, what instantly starts to happen to it? It starts to cool down. That is what happens in our lives. Slowly we begin to lose our glow, our passion, our fire. What happens when we lose our power, our fire? Well, it says it right here in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The church was a serving church. God says, I know your deeds. The church was a sacrificing church. What kind of church is so sacrificial that it raises $30,000 at a youth dessert auction? A sacrificing church. What kind of church raises a $300,000 offering for for building for our youth group? Listen, you're going to hear more about that soon. Come on. A sacrificing church. This church was steadfast in its growth. He said, I I know your perseverance. This church was a sanctified church. He says, You can't tolerate the wicked. I am not an evil man when I challenge open, willful sin. I'm not a bad pastor. What do you want a pastor to do when things threaten to destroy your life? Tell you it's going to be okay when it's not? I thank God for the pastors in my life who never did that. But see, all the pastors supposed to love me regardless. Tell me it's going to be all right. No, the most loving thing a pastor can do in your life is look you in the eye and go, "You, that's stop that. Stop. Let's do the opposite." We just learned in in the course in biblical counseling in the college, right, that if a person isn't willing to change their habits, they're not willing to change. And so don't waste your time. Send them to professional counselors and let them, them pay a professional counselor to hear them whine and complain. Spend your time with people who want their lives transformed by the glory of God. I'm to do the glory run in the back of the classroom. If you're not willing to change your habits that are destroying you, no amount of counseling is going to help you. Let me tell you something, church. I promise you if you're depressed, right, if you'll stop putting in your mind all the negative and doubtful things that you are and you'll start putting in your mind the Word of God, it'll transform your life. The Bible says, let your mind be renewed by the water of the washing of the Word. It'll fix you. Where's Katie? Where's Katie Eldridge? There she is right there. Raise your hand. Can I say it? You see, you shared it. Test. You can watch it on YouTube. Can I? Can I share it? When we first got here and started meeting with with Katie, she was on the verge of the suicide. So depressed, so neglected, so abused, so thrown away. Right? We sat down in my office. I remember that, just praying with her and looking at her heart and going, "Listen, you know what? When you go to the doctor if you're sick, he's going to write you a prescription." Yep, and you're going to take those meds and get better. She's a nurse. She was like, Yes, that's what we're going to do, that's what would happen. And I said, So I'm tonight writing you a prescri- prescription for the book of Psalms. And every day you're going to read the book of Psalms. And as you read the book of Psalms, it's going to renew your mind. And God is going to deliver you from depression and anxiety and suicide. And here she is today leading us all in worship. You know why? She did what her pastor told her to do. Imagine that, Katie. I'm nobody super spiritual. I just knew how the Word of God had changed mine and my wife's life. And if you don't believe my testimony, just watch it. It's on YouTube. We should find it and repost it. I need you to understand, church, that, listen, you you got you to gotta grab a hold of some things. You have preserved. You have endured through many hardships. You've gone through some things. You've challenged wickedness. You've done those. That's what apostles and elders should do. Wait a minute then. According to today's standard, that means the church and now generation is perfect. It's a happening place. What could God possibly do? have against this church it seems they had once had a fire that they had let grown cold can I say this to us I want you to hear me with your good ears because we need service but service service is not the same as passion it's possible to serve God without passion It's possible to serve God out of a sense of duty, and when you do that, it's draining. This is my Christian duty. You know, anything you take on as a duty, eventually you'll wind up resenting. Even church, even worship, even Bible reading, even your faith. Living for God out of legalism will sap the passion right out of your life. Service alone won't produce passion. So Pastor Don, how do I restore it? How do I get it? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what we're talking about. Right here in this place right now. Right here in this place right now. The word of God repeats over and over again the importance of maintaining spiritual fire. First Thessalonians 5.19 Hello, come on Dustin, I'm trying to give us some scripture today. I've got, I've got Revelation, right? I've got Psalms, come on. I've got First Thessalonians, come on. I've got John chapter 2. I'm trying to give us some scripture here, right? And I get it. It's, it's powerful there. You know what? You know what First Thessalonians 5.19 says? Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Forget what it looks like in modern day churchism. Okay, I've shared, you know, people ask me, what kind of, David McFarlane, I was on the phone with him uh, this week uh, scheduling, uh, you know, um, all the stuff that's happening in May for the graduation and those things. He said, tell me, tell me, Don. And Anne Renee was there. She was speaking Portuguese to him, and he was speaking Portuguese back. And I'm like, no speaking in tongues in here, please. I don't have the spirit of translation over Portuguese. And they were laughing, and I'm like, surely they're talking about me. He said, tell me about your church. I said, brother, I, I just don't, I don't know. It's just a bunch of people who love Jesus. And, and we don't really care what it looks like. We just don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you may show up here on May 21st, and there may be some Amish people in the house. Praise God. A little Pentecostal boy. That freaks y'all out when I say that, doesn't it? I'm not bringing snakes in the room, okay? Get over it, right? There's a fine line between faith and foolishness. That's called wisdom. Some people whose lives have been enriched in the great teaching and commitment and and legacy of, of the Mennonite heritage. Come on. I could go on and on and on, but I was like, I don't, I don't know, Dave. I don't just come and love Jesus with us. That's all I know. Just come and love Jesus. How do I restore it? How do I restore it? Do not put out the spirit's fire. You know what? You got to make sure you got a fire in your fireplace. My dad still heats with wood. We were down in Florida. He had that thing roaring when we got there, in Florida. It's 50 degrees outside, and boy, I walk in the house, and, and, and it, he's got a fire. He's got roaring, this thing. And he, he's standing next to the fireplace there like he is, you know, and he's just standing there talking to me. And he said, he said, hey, hey, hey. He looked at me. He said, hey, son, son, you want some of this? And I was like, no, it's hot in here. He said, you can, come on. I make, I make see. He said, come over and stand next to me. I, I can give you some of this fire. I was like, no, I, I. it's hot in here. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul exhorts Timothy to what? Stir up the gift of God that's in you. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Everyone knows that a fireplace is a safe place to have a fire. Man, that's when I think about Firm Foundation Ministries. It's like my dad's fireplace. It is lit up and blazing. He don't care what it's like outside. He just cares what it's like inside. And when you come into his house, you know what he's going to say to you. Hey, 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 hey. You want some of this? Yeah. Man, what if that was our church? Come on. I don't care what it's like outside. we just full of fire here. Hey, hey, hey. You want some of this? You want some of this? Come on. I'll make room for you. He's crazy. Taking off clothes. You know how old people are, they always cold. <laughs> and that says nothing about my wife always being cold. Do you understand that this church is a safe place for you to have a fire of God? Okay, if you didn't, I'm just declaring it right now. I want you to own it. Right now. It is so, I got to hurry up, man. This is so good. See, the church is God's gift of a fireplace for passionate Christians. I'm not going to apologize about our worship. I'm not going to apologize about our music. I'm not going to apologize about discipling young people to come and lead us in worship. I'm not going to apologize about the word of God. I'm not going to apologize about the length of our services. I'm not apologizing for the fireplace being on fire. I'm not doing it. And if you keep filling this house up, we can go back to two services or we can go a hundred foot that way. It's up to you. There's ten acres here. Go. Go. Can I say this? Because I just... I just freaked a bunch of people out. I'm sorry, I love all y'all. See, I, I need you to think like, I, I, I don't need you to think like I think, because that would be scary. But <laughs> I just, what am I going to do with the goodness of God? Yeah. I'm not going to be sad about it. I'm not, it matters what we do with the goodness of God. Oh, yeah. And when a church has the good hand of their God upon them, that's the book of Nehemiah, matters what we do with it. Spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, right? It matters what we do with it, right? When David McFarland said, hey, Pastor Don, on Saturday, May 20th, since I'm coming all the way down, he's the evangelistic gift, he said, since I'm coming all the way down from Canada, why don't you gather any of your leaders, your greater leadership team, and anybody in the church, and let's spend two hours talking about more creative ideas and tools to reaching into the community and winning the lost. You know what I instantly thought? Where are we going to put them? Some of y'all might have to meet upstairs. I don't know. Of all the problems that a church can have, the eldership team's in unity. The financial teams are saying, hey, come on, let's talk about the blessings of God. The church is full of the house. People are coming to the altar. People are getting saved and healed and delivered and set free. Of all the problems, church, you and me should be dancing in the presence and the glory of God. What are we going to do with the goodness of God? You got a fireplace. You know what I say? Bring some logs. Focus, your fire. Romans chapter 10, verse 2. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal focus your fire, focus your fire, focus your fire. Paul's talking about the Jews, obviously, and how their zeal for God and and, and who they were, the chosen people being misdirected, right? And all those things, like, we gotta refocus this thing. And you know what? Sometimes that happens in vision. Sometimes that happens in plans. Sometimes, listen, when you are standing in the midst of the goodness of God that you could not have anticipated, you have to refocus some things. Do you understand? God sent the spies into the promised land. They knew it was the promised land they knew it was a land that flowed with milk and honey but they were not prepared for the goodness of God when they got there oh my grapes the size of bowling balls it's in there they're they're cutting down tree trunks and putting on so they can haul out a bunch of grapes because I know what them people were thinking do you know how many gallons of wine we can make with a grape that size They weren't prepared. And let me tell this church. There are times when we talk about vision and we come up with some plans and ideas. I just need to say this to you. None of us in this room are prepared or could imagine the goodness of God. We couldn't because all of it is about how do we do it? It's not going to happen. How can we happen? And then we walk across into the promised land and we're not prepared for grapes that size. And you got to rethink how you handle it. There were two guys who came back and said, yep, yep, we like grasshoppers in their sight. But God said, and uh, I like grapes. Caleb. Caleb, God had promised him a mountain, showed him a mountain. And you know what Caleb said? Oh, man, that's too bad. That's supposed to be my mountain. That was the goodness of God. Look at that mountain. God promised me out of his goodness I could have that mountain. But it can't happen because there are giants that live there. At eighty years old, Matt Caleb is a mountain climbing mad dog, and he said, "It's mine! It's mine! It's mine!" And they don't belong because God has given it to me. And they climbed that mountain, whooped them all, and took what belonged to him. I can't, I can't read your Bible for you. I just can't. I can have fun with what I know about it. You got to focus. You find. see, most of us are like a flashlight with the with the the cap that's got the lens on it off, and we just kind of blaring and don't make a lot of light. But when you screw that cap back on that thing, you give it some focus. That's what we need to do. Fire consumes. We all will have to wrestle with weariness. Can I I just say, look, sometimes the way I think and and how I see things, I I know it it makes you as a church weary. (laughs) Imagine my wife. But whether we like it or not, the fire of God placed within us makes a difference in this world. And that's what Jesus meant in Psalms 69 9. Passion for God's house burns within me. Write it down Psalms 69 9. Passion for God's house burns within me. It's okay for you to call this your church. I'm giving you permission. See, you'll take care of what belongs to you. I'm sorry. I like Tim's truck. I'm just not washing it. (laughs) Wash my own. Take ownership of this place. Stop wondering if you belong. Stop wondering if you belong. And take ownership. See, you won't wrestle with do I belong if you get involved and take ownership. You won't. I belong here. This is my place. This is where God put me. Isaiah 40, 31, 30 through 31. Even youth will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find a new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Fire needs to be stoked from time to time. Even my, my pops, he's, he's bringing in firewood by the load. And I'm like, Dad, I could have went and got that. And he's like, oh, I, I got it. And he's coming in there laying down firewood. And, and he's always, always over there poking the log. I'm like, he just poked it two minutes ago. Poke it some more. Why? He doesn't want to make it. He doesn't want it to go out. Did the Holy Spirit ever poke you and make you upset? Does sermon ever poke you and make you upset? Some leader in your life look at you and you feel like when you walked away you got poked? Make you upset? Huh. Maybe God's just trying to stir something. Maybe God's trying to stoke some flames. Right? It's a simple little practice, right? But sometimes you got to poke some stuff. You got to stir some stuff up. Sometimes you got to wipe some ashes off. Sometimes you got to clear up some things. And I know that tending fire is exhausting. Brothers and sisters, when we were in Montana and it was negative 17... And we had a wood-burning stove in that tent with us a few months back. It was cold. We all fell asleep every night in our sleeping bags because it was warm. And you would wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning, that fire had gone out. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't warm no more. Because no one stoked it. Can I say This fire changes your environment. passion makes a difference why do you think that in sports home field advantage is so powerful it's a real thing it's a real thing christians without passion are like a river without a water it's just a dry ditch i'm sorry I don't want our church to be a dry ditch. Passion energizes Christian life. Without passion of God, our lives, I just believe in my life. I'll just speak for me. Without the passion of God in my life, I promise you life will be dull and draining. Romans 12:11 Never be lazy in your work but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Passion for God protects me from doing wrong. My passion to please him helps me say no to temptation. I didn't say it earns his favor. I'm already favored. I'm already loved. But there's nothing wrong with having a passion to please. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right. My passion to please him has given me 14 days without a little Debbie cake. Y'all okay. better know I love me some Jesus. I'm just telling you right now. Yep. The other day, I opened a drawer, oh, one of the drawers at my desk in my office, and right down there. Slam that thing back. I said, get back, you devil. Who put that in there? And Brenda's like, you put that in there. Passion for what God wants to happen in my life and my church causes me to instantly recognize and depart from things that rob me from that passion. And it dictates the people I associate with. Listen, if I've told you that I will walk with you, but you start walking down a different path, don't blame me for you changing directions. Because I'm still doing what you asked me to do. I am not your problem. People affect how we live and how we walk. I will tell you straight up, there are some roads I will not, cannot, and must not walk down with you. Paul reminded Timothy that the power of people to affect his own flame. Watch what he did in 2 Timothy 1.5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now it lives in you. This church... Has a passion today. Will it have a passion for our children and their children? Colossians 4 2, continue earnestly to pray, being vigilant about it. Come on, worship team, come on. I'm sorry, I got to, let's be done. John Wesley, uh, interesting man. If you've never studied anything about, History, the church, uh, and and revivals, and the Spirit of God being poured out, uh, you you undoubtedly will always come across John Wesley's name. Um, He was once asked uh, about the secret of his ministry, and here was his testimony. You ready? John Wesley, what's the secret of your ministry? His answer, you ready? John Wesley, what's the secret of your ministry? I ask God to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. My prayer for you, for me, for us together. In everything we deem to tackle from discipleship, to worship, to the preaching of the word of God, to planting churches, to raising up young people, to, to the nations, to doing whatever. Tomorrow, I have a phone call with Nation to Nation, the president uh, the, 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 that sponsors our college here. And I've said this before, and the elders have already sat in a meeting with him. They want to give us the nation of Kenya. They want to give us the nation of Kenya, and they said, what we would like to see your ministry do, since you have a heart for discipleship, since you have a heart for doctrine, since you have a heart for church planting, is what if you went to Kenya, and you trained 200 pastors? Y'all got a passport? Passport? Pastor Don, the college in Centerville has, has been so successful. We think you're prime and your congregation is prime for going to Kenya and starting colleges. Bible colleges. Where the focus is training on pastors. Come on. I'm like, we can do that? And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think we can do that. While we facilitate youth ministry. Both for high school and middle school. I think the, the, the question to us as a church is this. What are we going to do with the goodness of God? And you know what I think? The answer is in the book of Acts. They had all things in common. Which means there is unity in their heart. About what God had called them together to do. And now the details of that, absolutely, church, let's wrestle all that out. Come on. Let's wrestle it all out. And let's show the world what it looks like when a church wrestles over the goodness of God instead of when a church fights over the color of the carpet. Let's show them. Let's be who God's called us to be. Let's show them what it means to be the head, not the tail. Let's show them in an environment where they say the economy is crashing to watch the house of God and the people of God prosper. What are you going to do with the goodness of God? What are you going to do with that? There is not a resource we need that God hasn't given us or put in our path to obtain. What's the secret to firm foundation ministries? Let me say, at my funeral, you guys get up and say this. We stood up together and said, God set us on fire and let the world watch us burn. That's what we want. Stand with me. So much goodness. Let me share this with you, church. Let me share it. Here's how good the hand of God is. I was working on our, our, our Sunday morning schedules for the year, our preaching calendar, and all this good stuff. This year, everybody say, this year. I will preach less in this house than I have ever preached before. Does that worry you? That doesn't mean I'm not here. That means this church has disciple trained and and, and there it is. Listen, Breno's going to carry a four-week sermon series this year. He's going to carry it. It's training. It's teaching. What better place to build a fire and in a fireplace. Pastor Don, what happens if one of those coals pops out of the fireplace and burns the carpet? We'll clean it up. It's all an experiment. Do you understand that? And I'm excited about the experiment. Am I going to get it right? Or are you going to get it right? Or are we going to get it right? No, no, no. Not every time. But what we are going to get is the presence of God because of our heart and our unity and where God's at. But I it's all have a passion for where God called you. This is your church. It is God's house. Let the fire of God burn in your heart for his house. Yeah, it's alright. It's alright. Now brace yourself. Next week, just so you're warned, I'm gonna be preaching on tithing. Yeah, we say that. I'm gonna see the attendance numbers today. <laughs> and Nick King says it best, right? Like I, I said, hey, we hardly talk about money anymore, but Nick's like, I'm not real sure that's a positive thing because giving is a part of worship. And you know what I agree with? Nick King. Giving's a part of worship. So come ready next week to be blessed and to be challenged. And I'm going to answer my challenge like I always have. I'm going to issue it. I've never had anybody come and say it didn't work. What will God do with a bunch of crazy people who just said, Lord, light us on fire and let the world watch us burn. So, good Father, today we love you. Thank you. For our willing hearts to endure <laughs> the rantings of a crazy preacher, let your heart melt ours with yours. Mm. So come and consume me. Come on, church. My heart is ready. God, if I go. That's your prayer. No hesitation without reservation.